So grateful that you've came out to be with us today at the bridge and to worship God in this place. Uh, it's always encouraging to uh, hear the voices singing during worship, that it's not just a uh, worship team up front uh, participating, but it's all of us out there uh, amongst the congregation lifting our voice to God and offering him, him our praise and worship and by lifted hands, uh, some just meditating in prayer, some thinking about some of the things they're facing, and God is meeting us where we're at in this place. Amen. This is week three of Accepting the Call sermon series. We as Christians need to consider the call of God upon our life. We need to open our ears to hear what he's saying to us as a church. And we need to recognize that his calling is without repentance, as we've said. But in all that, we're living in a world full of busyness. But God is yet calling. God hasn't given up on the world that we're living in. He's still actively engaged in seeking the lost. That was Jesus' mission. He said the Son of Man was sent into the world to seek and save that which was lost. Do I have anybody in the room today that understands that, that God come and found you while you were lost? Is there anybody here by uplifted hand and a good amen? God found you while you were lost. Amen. He found you right where you was at. He called you into his kingdom. He called you into his family. And I'm excited about that, ain't you? What an exciting thing to think that the God of heaven that created the galaxy, the moon, the stars, the sun, the earth, and everything in it, himself came to you individually on a personal level and said, come unto me. All that you labor that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Amen. I'm thankful for the rest I feel on the inside today, knowing God's got this. Amen. I've seen that so much here lately, and people that's facing dire situations going on in their life, and they'll say, God has got this. And I love that, because it's the truth. God is with us. So as we've looked at Ephesians chapter 4 and talked about how that there are callings that are specific, that the church, God has callings upon individuals to go through the five functions or the five offices of church leadership, and we've talked about those and described those in week one, and we've looked at our cell phone image that God is calling and to give us a picture of what we're trying to say that the same way our cell phone has four functions and options that we have when a call comes in, and we're working our way through those. So we've talked about the remind me function, that it's something that we place on a calendar to return the call at a later date and to remind. And then also we talked about last week the message function and how that God we text God back to say, this is why I'm too busy, and we're letting him know that I'm not available at the moment. In our spiritual calls that we are facing, living in the world that we're living in, God is asking us to be actively engaged with him in reaching the lost. We have to decide which of these four we're going to accept, which of these four that we're going to utilize in our answer to God's call. So we've looked at those two, and now today I want us to jump down to the red button, which is labeled decline. It's okay to remind me to call later. It's kind of okay to hit the button to text back to let them know why you wasn't available to take the call, but 
to just hit decline is almost rude. And I know that there's nobody in this room today that's ever hit the decline button on your cell phone when somebody was calling you. Right? Am I correct in saying that? Is, is there anybody here? So by uplifted hands, who out there has ever hit decline? Oh, wow. You got all kinds of decliners. Wow. We sit in the mix of a lot of decliners. Hopefully and prayerfully, we don't decline God when he calls. Because when he is calling and he is calling, he continues to call. And I don't know about you, but whenever it's something and you're really going through stuff and you don't have time to hit remind me to set up an event on your phone, on your calendar to call back later, you don't have time to text and you're going through so much and you're busy in the moment and you hit decline and then three seconds later the same person calls back again. Come on, somebody. And then you hit decline again. You're thinking, surely they got the point that just two rings into this that the call ended. So hopefully they got my hint, Right? So you hit the client, and then wouldn't you know, two or three seconds later, it starts buzzing again. And you think, this must be really serious. Come on, somebody. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about. And you, and you finally, you're like, well, I better answer this because apparently something really urgent is going on. So they've kind of forced your hand a little bit. And then you, then you get on there, and you start talking to them, and they're like, hey, what's going on? And you're like, are you serious right now? Did you really just say what's going on? I've got a lot going on. That's why I've declined you twice. And they really had nothing to say other than just howdy. But declining God is a whole different thing. And how many believes that he's got something to say? Amen? He's not looking to waste your time. He's not looking to waste your giftings and your callings. He's looking for you to answer and not decline so that he can help you along your journey. And all too often we think, well, if I hit decline, it means I'm going to live my life my way and I'm going to continue to do things my way because I've got all the answers and I've got a perfect life worked out for myself and I've got all the answers and I don't need any help. I don't need any assistance. My life is just in a bed of roses and it's just hunky-dory and it's perfection and I don't have any troubles and I don't have any sorrow and I don't have any pain and I don't, I don't have any envy and no strife, no divisions, no none of that. I just, I'm living the perfect life. God, just leave me alone. Maybe there's some people out there like that, but I don't think so. I don't know about you, but prior to my salvation and coming to God and asking Him for forgiveness of my sins, my life was a train wreck. I was living in constant turmoil, and I didn't know how to get out of the situation I was in other than the fact of growing up in church and remembering my grandpa testifying, standing up with quivering hands and testifying about the goodness of God in his life and how that he was grateful to God to help him and assist him through his troubles, through his trials, through all the things that he was facing, through his anxieties and all of his fears that God was there and taking care of him. And if you never heard those kind of testimonies, I hope and pray that you encounter people that are testifying to you and bragging on God. Because those testimonies are important. And my grandpa Collier would just do that from time to time in church, and you could tell that he was sitting there, and you could tell because as we would go to church and out the hilltop, it was just a, a little bitty congregation, maybe 10, 15 people there at the max most of the time. And we'd go sit in the seat, and we would go there as a family, and Mom and Dad would stop at my Papa's house and pick him up, and he would go with us, ride in the car out there. And it was always a big deal because we knew he loved, he called it chew gum. So Dad would let us stop at the store, you know, and get some chew gum so that Papa would be happy on the ride out to church. 
If you don't like chew gum, I don't know if you deserve to be in church. Amen. I got some chew gum in right now. It just makes church better. So if you're sitting here today and with a frown, turn it upside down. Get you some chew gum. Amen. I like it so much that Leslie's got to go to Sam Club to keep me in chew gum. So as my grandpa would ride in the car out there, and eventually he had a cousin that lived across the road there from our church, and is a distant cousin, Ralph Osborne, and he was senior to my grandpa, who was kindly old, and eventually we got to the point where that Papa and Ralph become good friends and good uh, teammates in the gospel and in the kingdom of God that we would pull into church, we would get out, Dad would take off across the driveway over through there and go pick up Ralph. He had become a widow that he had lost his spouse and he was just alone in the house and, and he looked for companionship for somebody to experience life with and he looked forward to Sundays and Sunday nights so that whenever he would be sitting there that he knew the car was going to come through the driveway and pick him up and take him over to church and he could sit in a congregation of people that loved God. I remember Ralph and just his smile, and he was just a contagious kind of fella. But I remember sitting there, and we would sit with Paul Paul, and now there was Ralph, and then me and Howie would always go over and sit on that side to get away from Mom and Dad and Netta. We'd sit there. My grandpa would be sitting there, and you would know when he was getting ready to testify because he'd start rubbing his hands. You could just see it. You, you could tell something was stirring. Amen. Something was stirring. And he would begin to rub his hands. And he'd reach up for that pew. And he'd pull himself up. And he'd brag on God a few minutes. I thank God for a childhood and grandparents that pointed me in a direction towards God. And I feel blessed because of it. But I'm here to tell you today that we're not growing up in that kind of world. And everybody that we encounter does not have that type of raising. The gospel in our culture is becoming something that's almost extinct. And I believe God is calling us because he's saying return to the old wells. Go back to that place where that my children brag on me in their community, not only in the church house, but also in their daily lives and when they walk in their grocery store and when they interact with people at the doctor's office that wherever you are that you can brag on God he's calling us to that place because our society and our world needs it like never before can somebody say amen I believe that there is a people out here amongst us that's never experienced God the way that we experience him in this place They've never felt the tangible presence of Almighty God come down and raise chill bumps on their arms that they know God is saying something in this place today. And I want them to experience that. God wants to interact with them and for them to experience that. He doesn't want them to experience only the judgmental, everybody pointing fingers, blaming everything, and coming up with all these reasons and opinions of why our gospel is true. The gospel of Jesus is true. My opinion does not matter. The world has enough opinions. They need a gospel. A gospel of a God that sent His Son into the world that didn't condemn the world, but through His Son would go through the resurrection and go through the cross and go through all those things and take upon his shoulders the burdens of humanity and bring it to the cross and let it be dead and buried there. But on the third day of Easter, amen, it's coming soon. He, he was risen from the ground, and whenever he did, he brought death to its place of where it decided that it needed to be.
and that's in the pits of hell. I told you last week that the devil has only one place in your life, and that's under your feet. How many of you out there has family or loved ones or friends or neighbors or co-workers that you know for certain are being attacked? There's nobody exempt. The Bible says that the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his mission. That's his goal. That's what he intends to do. But I thank God that that verse doesn't end there. It's John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may receive life and have it more abundantly. Amen. He come to set us free. And the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are free in this place today, in your salvation, in your knowledge, knowing I get to go to heaven. Why? Because Jesus paid the way for me. But in this decline function, I begin to think about it as a, as a sermon. And, and what do you say whenever you're talking about declining God and, and telling God no? And the greatest story, I think, in the Bible goes all the way back to those childhood days that you learn about in Sunday school or maybe in a, a children's church atmosphere, or maybe vacation Bible school that you went to or something like that. And it's one of the big stories in the, in the Old Testament that uh, they teach you in those situations, and it's the story of Jonah. Jonah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and it's a very short read years ago, Dusty done a sermon series on Jonah. It was really awesome here for our church. But as I'm thinking about declining, I think the picture for declining God and hitting no and decline, the big red button, this is Jonah. So Jonah's story is that he's there, he's a Israelite, he's a Hebrew, he's a child of God, he's a person of God's family. And God calls him and tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Whenever he tells him to go to Nineveh, he tells him to go there and declare some of his God's intentions to proclaim God to the people. And Nineveh is a great big city and there's all kinds of things there and it's a, a really a cesspool of all things that are not godly. And Jonah's thinking, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to this city. I don't want to leave God's church, little happy spot in Jerusalem, little kingdom of Israel. I don't, I don't want to get outside of my comfort zone. Come on, somebody. I want to just stay here where it's a happy place where I can come amongst my Christians and just say, oh, good is, oh God is so good. It's easy to do in this room. It was easy for him to do that in Jerusalem. Every year during Passover and all these different festivals of the Jewish tradition and all these Purim and all these different festivals and feasts and things that they would do as a nation, he was involved in all that. He was a, a godly person. But God called him to go outside of his normal, to step out of his comfort zone and go and do what I'm telling you to do and calling you to do. And Jonah hit decline. Sorry, God, not doing it. And it began to weigh on him so heavy that he thought, instead of going to Nineveh, I'm going to go to Tarshish, which is the complete opposite direction. I'm going to go the other way. So it's not only a decline, but it's also, I'm going the other way. Heck with you, God. I'll show you. Wonder how that'll work out for him. Wonder how peaceful his life is fixing to become. I said last week that God is a gentleman, amen? He will not force you to do anything. But if you're walking outside of his will and you're saying, My will's better than yours and I'm going to do it my way, I can promise you this that your way is going to have all kinds of turmoil, all kinds of pain, all kinds of things. It's going to be really, really bad. 
So as he takes off for Tarshish and he gets in this boat and he's going across and letting these people, uh, you know, in their boat, he, he, he jumped in with them and he's like, take me over here to this other place, Tarshish. I want to get away. I don't want to go to Nineveh. He don't declare any of these things to him. He's just saying, I'm running from God. So he takes off and he gets in this boat and whenever they get out in the midst of the sea, we all know the story that there's a big storm happens and whenever this big storm happens, it begins to disrupt the boat and there's water coming in the boat and all these people that are accustomed to sailing in, in storms and in different situations, they get concerned. And whenever you get a sailor concerned, there's problems. Amen? We got issues going on. So these sailors... Begin to ask questions, you know. There must be, this is a storm like I've never seen. This is a situation that we've never been in. There has to be something more going on than just in the natural. So at least these people were spiritual enough to understand that there's a spiritual realm. And I'm here to tell you today that people that we interact with in our lives understand that there's a spiritual realm. They know that there's demonic activity. They know that there's angels. They know, they understand these things, that there's a world outside of our natural here on this earth. So in this understanding, they begin to ask these questions, and finally they, they're, they're praying, they're, they're, they're hollering out, and what's going on? And then, and then they cast lots, it says, and where do they cast lots, which basically means, I don't know if they're flipping coins, I don't know what that is, they're casting lots, which is talked about in the Bible a lot. Different people have got different opinions of what that means. But the lot fell that Jonah is the reason that this ship is getting ready to sink. So they ask him, what's going on? And he tells them the story, I'm running from God. God's mad because I'm not doing what he wants me to do. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to be mad. Because if God gets mad, it's a bad day. So God's anger is aroused against Jonah. And God doesn't intend him harm. Amen? God doesn't want this. God's desire is not this. This is not his perfect will. Jonah is taking off and fleeing the opposite direction from God's will. So sometimes when we hit decline and go our own way, the hell that comes on our life is not God's fault. Let's quit blaming Him and let's just take responsibility and say, I'm the one walking away from Him. I'm the one doing it my way. It's not His fault. Amen. It's not His will that any perish, but that all come to repentance through Jesus Christ. That's His will. It's perfect. It's perfection. So Jonah tells them this, and it says that they take him, and he tells them, take me and throw me overboard. Save yourselves. I'm running from God. Throw me overboard. And can you imagine taking a human being in the midst of a storm where you're afraid of drowning and just not even giving them the protection of your boat and just throwing them overboard? That's what they did. He asked them to. How far are you willing to hit decline and keep running from God? Even to the point of getting yourself thrown into a, a boisterous sea where that everything, that turmoil is going on, that you know that my pending death is getting ready to happen in an instant, it's basically suicide. Throw me overboard. So they throw him over. But God caused a great fish. Everybody say, God's got this. Amen. No matter how many times I hit decline, no matter how far I run, no matter how many times say I'm going to do it my way, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Is there anybody in this room that believes this with me? I'm hitting decline and decline and decline. I have hit decline. I've hit decline in this moment. I've hit decline in this season of my life. But God is continu continuing to pursue me. He is not letting up. He's chasing us, folks. He's calling. It's not going to go away. His callings are without repentance. That means until you quit breathing air, you're going to continue to know God is dealing with me. He's not giving up. He's persistent. He's long-suffering toward us. He'll put up with a bunch of your crap is what that means. So Jonah gets thrown overboard and this great fish, it says, takes him and it, it takes him down to the bottom of the sea. And can you imagine, some people say it's a whale, I don't know what it was, but it was a great fish according to the story. 
So it captures Jonah, and, and Jonah's in the belly of this well, or this great fish, and he begins to pray. And it's, it talks about seaweed being wrapped around his neck, and just, and, and, can you imagine the stink in the belly of a great fish? Fish just stinks. Come on, somebody. I don't even know how we eat it. It stinks so bad, but we'll go down and get us a big fish tail. It's kind of crazy, really. Tastes pretty good with tartar sauce to cover up the stink, I guess. I don't know. I had, oh, we owe, thank you, Tabby, for the codfish last night down at the Carter house. That's a good thing about dressing up. I didn't have room for my wallet. It's a good thing to walk into a restaurant without a wallet. Amen. She did tell us that, hey, your word's good. You know, you can go ahead and have some fish and you can pass later. Then Tabby come along. I'm buying. That's good. Leslie owes her, not me. <laughs> so Jonah's down in this fish, and can you imagine the pressure exerted? Have you ever swam in a swimming pool and maybe go down on the deep end and try to go down and your ears go to you know what I'm talking about? There's pressure. The farther we run from God, the more pressure there is. Amen? But he's down there in the, in, in the bottom of this sea. I can't imagine how deep this sea is that he's in. But pressure is on. But in the midst of pressure, he understands, I need to pray. So if you've been running from God, if you've been trying to abandon his call and trying to avoid his call and you've been hitting decline, whenever you get in the midst of that pressure that's on, understand this, call out to God. The Bible says that he's a very present help in your time of trouble. Amen. No matter where I find myself, King David said, even in the pits of hell where I find myself, I know that you are with me. He's following us. He's chasing us. So Jonah begins to pray this prayer. And the next thing you know, he's, he's telling God all these things. And he's, he's, he's calling out to him. And, and, and eventually it says that as he's praying, and eventually the story goes, it's only four chapters. It's not real long. You ought to read this story. It's pretty awesome. But it says that the great fish comes up to the shore and just pukes him out on the shore. I don't know about you, but when I puke, it don't smell very good. And fish think anyway... So now he finds himself in a big pile of puke. This, gets, this get, keeps getting better, don't it? It's just, this story is compounding upon itself. And declining God takes you into some places you did not intend to be. Amen. I don't want to be in a big pile of puke. But here he finds himself on this shore in a big pile of puke, seaweed wrapped around his neck, awful stench, stinky, awful situation. But then he takes off towards Nineveh that he's supposed to go to anyway. How many knows wherever you find yourself in that kind of situation, you just get mad? You're mad at everybody around you. You're mad at God. You're mad, you're mad at your brothers. You're mad at your sisters. You're mad at your mom. You're mad at your dad. You're mad at everybody around you. It's like everybody. I smell like this fish puke. And because I do and because I got my own self there, I'm going to blame everybody else. I'm going to be mad at everybody else. I'm going to take it out on everybody else. Amen. So he gets there and he takes off four torches. Can you imagine what, or Nineveh? When it gets going and, and Nineveh is such a big town. This is a thriving place. It's one of the biggest cities on the world at that time. And he finds himself going in this direction and he, he's heading towards Nineveh. Can you imagine when he gets to the gates of the city and he walks up and says, Hi, I'd like to come on in. Can you imagine being that guard, seeing this seaweed-wrapped, puke-looking, sorry existence of a human walking through the gates? Like, yeah, come on in. I guess we welcome everybody here. <laughs> kind of sounds like the bridge, don't it? Just come on in. Amen. Everybody's welcome. We are. We love it. No matter how far you've run from God, I know he's calling you. And then if it walks... As he walks through the gates of Nineveh, Jonah, he gets there and he begins to declare to them the things that God told him to declare. Forty days, hell, fire, and brimstone shall come from above, and this entire city will be demolished by God of heaven. 
So when he declares these things, he has to understand, wow, God has done that before. They understand Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't too awful long ago. They knew these stories of where cities were laid in ruins because they disobeyed and walked away from the calling of God. So he begins to declare these things. And whenever he does, the king hears the word, hey, there's a stinky fish prophet out here saying he's going to destroy our city in 40 days. And it says the king of Nineveh declares a fast. Everybody say, that sounds pretty godly. Amen. When's the last time you fasted? His, Jesus' disciples come to him one time and said, we've prayed for these and we've done this and we've tried and we've, we've been thinking about and all this. And, and, and they said, we, we couldn't make it happen, Jesus. But then you walk up and all of a sudden a miracle happens. What, what's the difference, Jesus? He said, some things happen by prayer and fasting. Amen? Sometimes he calls you to go beyond prayer. Sometimes he calls us to go beyond that traditional thing of thinking about people. Let's fast. For those that are hurting. What's that mean? Give up some food for a day. This king declared this. Everybody's fasting. So he didn't just say just the people are fasting, this king in Jonah. You can read this story. And he doesn't just declare people are going to fast. The animals have to fast. That sounds like a pretty awesome job. How would you like to be herding your cattle out there on the hillside, Derek? And your dad declared a fast for everybody, including the cows. Try to get your cow not to eat. Amen. It'd be easy to do for Ricky. You know, she got a little pen with her chickens and just put them over the gravel and don't give them anything to eat. It'd be pretty easy. They're, they probably eat rocks anyway. They do. Get it in their crawl. Messed up. Chickens are just pitiful, really. But So it wasn't just the people fasting. It was the animals fasting. This is astounding to me. Sounds like it's pretty serious, doesn't it? Whenever you know a pending doom is getting ready to happen, how far are you willing to go and beg for and plead for and ask for forgiveness from God? So Jonah declared what God told him to declare, walked throughout the city, told them all, everybody come in contact with God is going to tear this city to the ground. He's going to burn it. You're going to burn in hell. The things that you have done has been disobedience to God. And I can imagine this prophet just laying it down, right? Hell, fire, and brimstone preaching. And it brings fear that comes with that. The New Testament even says that some saved by this preaching of this gospel of this style and it brings fear that brings people to repentance there is a place for that in the kingdom amen i believe it's in during seasons of revival i believe it's during times when evangelist comes to town and they preach those kind of messages you can't help but getting saved and I've heard them, even as a pastor. I, I've heard people come in and, and preach a message where I thought, man, I need to get to the altar. Amen. That's the kind of preaching I like sometimes. I want to be up in your grill, amen? And we need that as a church. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, but we need to hear it. So Jonah, Jonah preaches this message. The king declares the fast. Next thing you know, the Bible says that God changed his mind. This is chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 in Jonah. God changed his mind. Thank God that he changed his mind. Hundreds of thousands of people lived in this city. It was a metropolis like none other. It would be like everybody in Louisville on a fast because the, the mayor of Louisville said so. And God, being at a place where that he was going to bring hellfire and brimstone down on, on, on Louisville, but all of a sudden that some prophet went in, declared this thing, and everybody got repentant, and they began to call out on God. And the next thing you know, they was fasting, and God changed his mind. How many would like to see God change his mind for some situations that you know some of your family members in, that you've watched them run from God, that they've been in total disobedience, they're doing everything they can, and they're running as far as they can, and they're doing as many bad things as they want to, but God is impending doom on their life, and you know it's coming, but you're asking today, God, 
change your mind. I love Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. I want to read this to you. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. God, you told me to go prophesy. And you told me to go say this stuff. There's, there's 40 days it's going to come to the ground. It's come crashing down, kingdom. And now you change your mind? You're making me a liar. And I don't know about you, but I don't like being called a liar. It upsets people when you catch them in a lie. Amen? Come on, parents. So Jonah's tore up because he knows that he's going to be made out to be a liar. So he became very angry. That's sin. Amen? Go get mad because... God didn't do what I wanted him to do that I was hoping he would do because I said so. Verse 2, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. This is what Jonah told God before he left. The reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God would save them. He, he had such disdain for these people that he would rather them burn in hell than to see God save them. How sad of an affair is it as we as Christians sometimes have people that we get so tore up about because they got a different opinion from us. Because they got a different method of living life than us. That rather than go and tell them about the goodness of God, we'd rather hide it from them so that they have to spend eternity in hell. So when I say God is calling today, I'm saying this, that if we're like Jonah, if we know God, if you've experienced God, you know who he is. God is merciful. Amen. And he's compassionate. And guess what? He's calling you to be like him. The second thing that Jonah said, God, you are slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. God is calling us to be slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. The third thing that Jonah said is, God, you're not looking to destroy people. The book of Romans tells us to love our enemies and by doing so that we will pile coals of fire upon their head. You want to know how to get to your enemy? Love them like no other. Amen. That's the gospel that we're living in. That's the gospel that Jesus left us with. Love your enemies. Do good to those that despitefully use you. This is not easy. This gospel is not easy. God is not calling us to easy. He's calling us to come out from amongst them and be you separate. Be like me because this is who I am. And if we're going to say we're Christians in this place today, God is calling us, be like him. Be like his son, Jesus. He's calling us, do the right thing. Be compassionate. Be merciful. Have unending love. Don't be angry. And don't look to destroy anybody. But look for salvation to come to your house Look for salvation to come to your family. Look for salvation to come to your neighborhood. Look for salvation to come to our cities. Look for salvation to come to our county. Look for salvation to come to our state. Look for salvation to come to our nation. Look for salvation to come to this world. There's five billion people that's going to die and go to hell if somebody don't act like Jesus here. He's calling us. Be different. And I'm begging you in this place today, do not decline the call of God to be different.
different from this world, different from Jonah. This was a prophet. That, there's a book in the Old Testament that he wrote. Pretty important person. And God's telling us, don't be like Jonah. The reason this story is in the Bible to tell us that you can run from God, but he's going to turn you around. Amen. You can try to do it your way, but he's going to get you heading back in the right direction. You can walk away and say, I'm going on. I tried that church thing. All I done was got hurt. Everything in it, it just didn't seem right for me. And I'm turning around and going the other way. God, I don't need you anymore. And he's going to say, I'm going to follow you all the way to the pits of hell. I'm going to chase you down. I'm going to call you. I'm going to continue to call you. I believe this is true. And in doing so, you're going to see a multitude of people come to salvation point in their life. Don't decline God's call today. God wants to save thousands. I really believe this. What would have happened if Billy Graham would have said no? Think about that. And that little Sunday school preacher that put on a revival of the church service where the Billy Graham got saved, imagine what if he had said, no, God, I'm not calling for a revival. Our decisions have consequences. Don't decline today. Revelation 12, 11, we're finishing up. Let's see if you'll play something. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, And they have defeated him, talking about the enemy, by the blood of the Lamb. Listen to me. They have defeated him. They have placed him under their feet by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. If you want to position the devil under your feet, say, I want to be washed in the blood. Old songs, amen. The old church that, you know... Are you washed in the blood? Amen? Are we washed? We need to be washed in the blood. And we'll be overcomers because of that. But we're also overcomers, which means I'm standing on the devil's neck. Why? Because I testify about the goodness of God. Begin to open up your mouth and just tell your story. To testify doesn't mean that you have to know the entire Bible. You don't have to be able to quote verses. You don't have to be able to do any of that. Your testimony is you telling people how good God's been to you. There's some people in this room that have been through hell. And your testimony is that God is still with me. The enemy tried to kill, steal, and destroy me. But God gave me life. And it's sustaining. And I've made it through. Why? Because God is well able to help me in my times of trouble. There's some people that you know that you need to speak those words to because they need to hear those words from your mouth. Not of condemnation of what they've already done. They know that. When you're a sinner, you know you're a sinner. People don't really have to tell you that. But if you'll testify to them, you never know when they're going to come and say, man, I need that peace that you're talking about. I need that rest for my soul that you're talking about. What you're testifying of, help me to meet that God that will meet me where I'm at. Begin to do that, church. Stop declining God when He's calling you and you're standing there in the line at, at, at maybe a restaurant and you're, you're standing there and God tells you to turn around and talk to the neighbor behind you and you're saying, well, God, I'm just one of those shy people and I don't really like talking to people and I'm afraid they might say something mean to me and I don't know. This ain't Joe Don. I'm talking about somebody else out here in the crowd. <laughs> She's going to talk to everybody. It's all the way around her, but that's okay. Being meek doesn't mean you keep your mouth shut. I want to be an overcomer, don't you? Begin to talk about the goodness of God. Even when people that you're talking to, maybe they're one running from God. Maybe they're trying to do everything they can to get away from him. Testify about how good he's been to you. It'll make a difference, I promise you. God is calling us all to be the prophets that he called us to be. Acts chapter 2 is where that we talked about. That, that as... 
Peter stood up that day of Pentecost and when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and Jesus told them to tarry in Jerusalem be and be and do with power from on high. They're up there in that upper room and they're praying and they're having a prayer meeting and all of a sudden the power of God lands upon them. Tongues, cloven tongues of fire set upon each of their head and they go out in the street and as they go out in the street they begin to declare things and they were speaking in unknown languages that people couldn't even understand and some people heard them in their own tongue and they come back and said well how is these Galileans speaking in our language I don't understand this God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think even though when I don't have the words to say and I don't know how to talk to people to reach them where they're at God will make a way where there seems to be no way are you hearing me in this room he's calling us do what I'm asking you to do so this Acts 2 experience happens and they go out there and everybody's are they drunk or what's going on here Peter stands up and says, no, they're not drunk with the wine of this world. Jesus said, I'm going to put new wine in new wineskins. And these people have conditioned their heart. They've been in a prayer meeting upstairs in the upper room here in Jerusalem. And as I'm there today, and if they've been there for days and days and days, and it's been 10 days since we've seen him. He was ascended on high on the 40th day. And we've been up there for 10 days in travail asking God, do something with me, God land on their face and as they call out to him he meets them where they're at and they go out in the street and they begin to declare these things no we're not drunk with that we're drunk with the spirit Peter says this was what was prophesied by the prophet Joel I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh God said I'm going to make every person in my family a prophet why? because Jesus bled and died so the world may know that I sent my son to heal them of all the things that affects them. And having one prophet is not enough. He's calling all of us to be a prophet. Every person in this room, if you've given your life to Jesus, I'm telling you today, he's called you to testify. To say what he has for you to say. We are part of an end time harvest. The Bible says that yes, in the last days, and you know Dusty preached about that a few weeks ago about the end times. And, and it says in Matthew, in the last days that the love of many will wax cold. And everybody talks about the great falling away of the church. Some people today are declaring that maybe that was COVID, that now that most churches are having an attrition rate where about 30 to 40% of the people they had prior to COVID is actually still sitting in a church service. Some people are saying that's a sign of the end times that there's been a falling away of the church. The people that didn't really take it serious was just coming for the good feelings that now the true believers are left sitting in the seats. We didn't experience that here at the bridge. We've actually increased in number. There's people sitting here today that you come here and we're thankful to God for you. But I believe we're in the end times. Does anybody agree we're in the end times? And God is asking for us to be his prophets, his priests, his kings on this earth and to speak on his behalf. Won't you stand with me if you would? some people in this room that today's the day of salvation and God is calling you you've been sitting here listening to this message and you've been hearing these words and you know that you've been running from God and I want you to bow your head and close your eyes everybody here just bow your head and close your eyes you're sitting here and God is beginning to work on you and you can feel his Holy Spirit ministering to your heart and you know in this place today today is a day where I need to give my life to him I want to experience this peace and this rest As the Holy Spirit is dealing with you right now, I just want to see by an uplifted hand, and we're going to lead you in a sinner's prayer. If that's you today in this place, that you want to give your life to God, and you can, you can sense He's dealing with me right now. Today's the day. I need to lift my hand. I need to accept Him right now. I want you to lift up your hands. Anybody here? Anybody here? Today's the day of salvation. He's asking you. You can feel your heart beating right now. He's asking you. Accept me. Accept my plan. 
we'll hear. up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. We're going to pray with you. And we're going to go on this journey of life with you as a church. others here. You're like Jonah. You've, you're in God's family. You know you're saved sitting in this place today and he's, and you've missed it. You've hit the climb when he asked you to speak. There's been those situations, whether it was in a grocery store line or at the doctor's office or on the job that he's asked you to speak up and you haven't done so. And you're sitting here today saying, Pastor, I know that's me and I'm one that hits decline in those moments and I, I get scared and I don't know what to say and I need power I need boldness I need the ability to speak up when he tells me to speak I just want you to lift up your hand and say that's me pastor, amen, thank you for those hands amen, amen hands everywhere amen, amen Father, we thank you for this day. God, we rejoice in the joy of our salvation. And God, for those here that you're dealing with their hearts and you're beating on their heart's door and you're asking them, allow me to come in. Allow me to transform your life. God, I pray today as, as you continue to knock and maybe if they even walk out of this place today and, and, and they don't accept you in this very moment, God, that you will continue to chase them. That God, while they're driving down the road, the, no matter where they're at, God, that your voice, your still small voice would continue to speak into their hearts. That you will continue to draw them. God, that you will allow them to know that you're near and dear to them, that you have compassion on them. That you're looking to save them. And God, for the ones that's in this room today that have heard this message, God, and they know that they've hit decline before, and today they're saying, I've not been the prophet that God has called me to be and I want to step out. I want to begin to declare the things that you asked for me to say, God. Give me the boldness. God, I pray today that you would just do them with power from on high. That you would give them the words to say. God, that the Holy Spirit would just uh, allow a holy unction to rise up within them. God, as they begin to speak, that they would see salvation happen in the streets. God, that they would see salvation happen in their homes. That they would see salvation happen on their job sites, God, as they declare your goodness and they share their testimony of what you've done for them. God, empower them today to do the work of your kingdom. Be a blessing to those around them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.